Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, Buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it. Buy it for yourself. I knew that this was the word from the Lord, so I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy. And I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah, the son of Maaseah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, and of the witnesses who had signed the deed, and of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard and of the guard. In their presence I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. Psalms 91, 1 through 6, 14 through 16. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you very much, Nick, for reading God's word. For us tonight, um, open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 91. We'll be there uh, most of the evening, and uh, you'll have it open there. To, so if I make reference to it, you can just look at the verses, and then um, also we'll look at the passage from Jeremiah at the end as well. But uh, um, it's good to be together in the house of the Lord, open God's Word together. I'm going to ask you to take out uh, also your bulletin. The backside is blank. I'll give you a number of things to write down tonight. There's a pen in front of you, so... Um, go ahead and write down the things you see on the screen or anything the Holy Spirit speaks to you. But um, uh, it's good to uh, be in a series where we're doing our best to walk through the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, Psalms, the Gospels. We don't get to read all of them every week, but uh, they're in the bulletin for you with the questions. And so I encourage you to uh, get into the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles out on the bookshelf in the lobby. So you can grab one out there. Uh, but we're going to look at Psalm 91 tonight. And I'm, ex- I'm really excited to talk about Psalm 91 because it probably is the second most popular psalm in, of all the psalms. I mean, the first one, Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. So that, you, that's probably number one. Number two would be Psalm 91. And it's a powerful psalm of God's protection, his provision, and... Um, from, I don't know if you know Corey Ten Boom, if you've ever heard that name before. I know many people have. Uh, but just a powerful story. Um, her story is a powerful story told in the book, The Hiding Place. And there's also a movie about her life by the same name. But uh, as you may know or may not know, 
Um, her family were watchmakers in the Netherlands, and when the Nazis invaded, her family began to hide Jews in their home in a secret room that they had built. It was a matter of time before they were found out, and on the last night they were together, uh, Corey's elderly father asked the family to gather together and for the brother to read Psalm 91. That would be the last time they saw each other. We know that Corey, from her memoir, that uh, her and her sister Betsy were taken to a concentration camp, and Betsy died not too long after that. But during that time, they put Corey into solitary confinement for many, many months, and she often recalled the words of Psalm 91 over and over again that she is, no matter where she found herself, in the shelter of the Most High. There's a quote from Corey Ten Boom, and I want to share it with you. It'll be on the screen. It's this, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. You never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. She has so many great quotes, and you can look her up online and, and read all those quotes, but, but from somebody who actually lived this out, it's pretty powerful. So let me begin with some questions for us uh, tonight. How do you behave when trouble hits your life? How do you cope when troubles come? Do you go to pieces or do you go to God? Another quote from Corey Ten Boom is, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? That's a good one. I like that. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Tradition tells us that Moses wrote Psalm 91, even though his name doesn't appear at the beginning. If you have your Bibles, you can look, because normally the author of that psalm is at the beginning, but... Um, his name's not necessarily there. In some Bibles, they've actually put him there because it's tradition that whoever wrote the psalm, the previous psalm, if there's no author given for the next psalm, that it's the previous psalm is the author of the next psalm. And we know for a fact that uh, Moses wrote Psalm chapter 90. And so Psalm 91 actually fits Moses when you think about these words in the context of their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness of God being with them and watching out for them and taking care of his people. This psalm also fits the life of Jesus, the 40 days and nights he had in the wilderness as he entered into the moment of temptation. And so it is a messianic psalm as well. I want to tell you that God is faithful to us, even in the most difficult moments of our life. And that's what the psalm is going to talk about. And that's what I want to talk about for your life and my life tonight. This isn't just for Moses. It's not just for Jesus. It's for you and me. But it's, it's not magic. It's, it's for his children. It's for those who belong to him. Unbelievers can't go to the local bookstore and buy a Bible and then begin to claim all the promises in God's word for themselves. That's not how it works. That's not how the Word of God works. The Word of God works because of relationship. Because we're walking with God. He's our God. We're His people. We must be hidden in Christ. And if we're hidden in Christ, then His Holy Spirit is in us. We have all that we need. And so that's why we're going to look at this psalm, because we are His dear children. God makes promises 
to those he loves and he loves you tonight. God wants you to know exactly who he is. That's why he gives us the Bible because we don't have to guess at who God is or what he has for us or what he'd like from our lives. He, he tells us in his word and, and so he's constantly revealing himself to us in his word and one of the, the main ways God does that is through his names. And so what makes this psalm so interesting is that within the first two verses he reveals four of his names very quickly, and he tells us, this is who I am. Looking at those first two verses, it says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So I'm going to give you a quick Hebrew lesson tonight and four names in Hebrew of who God is, and then I'll describe each of those names with the first name, the, the idea of being the most high is the, the name Elyon. Elyon. It sounds powerful, doesn't it? Elyon. <laughs> He's saying, I'm the strongest of the strong. There is no God above me. I am the supreme God that I am over every power, over every authority. God is revealing his name at the beginning of the psalm that I am Elyon, and that you and I live under his protection. We live under the protection of the Most High God. That's just the first name right there in verse 1. And then the second name he gives us is the name Shaddai. Shaddai. Now, if you listen to old Amy Grant music, there was a song called El Shaddai, which is interesting because she had a lot of Hebrew in that song. And and we would sing it, and we didn't even know what we were talking about, but it, it literally means all-powerful, that God is all-powerful. He is omnipotent, that he is almighty, and he is able to do anything he promises. So any promises he makes in this psalm to you and me, he is all-powerful, he is mighty, he will do it. He's saying right there from the beginning, I am God almighty, I am the most high God, that I will that, that I will live in the shadow of the Almighty God. You and I live in that shadow. The next word is Yahweh. Probably the most common name. It's translated Lord in the Old Testament. Anytime you see the L-O-R-D all capitalized in the Old Testament, that's the word Yahweh. It is the word where he says, I am who I am. That's when God gives himself a name. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And the significance of that name is that God is saying, whatever you need, I'm going to be. That it's, it's not so much describing him, it's describing our lives. And he's saying, whatever you need, I'm going to be that for you. I am that I am. And he says in this passage that the, the Lord Yahweh is my refuge and my fortress. That my God is my refuge and my fortress. He's anything I need whenever I need it. The fourth name is the, the name Elohim. Elohim. In fact, when the Bible begins in the book of Genesis, this is really the only name of God as Genesis begins through chapter 1 and continuing this idea that he is our creator God, that he is the creator of all things. And it emphasizes God's strength and his power that he creates the heavens and the earth out of nothing, and that's who God is and that we should trust in him. And I Trust in the God who created all things, that he is Elohim. So we have this strong, mighty, powerful, awesome, creative God, and then he makes all these promises to us in this passage of Scripture, and I'd like you to write these things down. 
Because he says, look, when you know who I am, then you can embrace my promises. And you know that because I am so powerful, all my promises are going to come true. And again, these promises are not just for the children of Israel in the wilderness. It's not just Jesus and the temptation. It's for you and me right here tonight where we sit. These are the promises of God in his word to you. He preserved them for you tonight. And so what are some of those promises? The first promise is, I will rescue you. I will rescue you. We need a deliverer. That is one of the main things God does. He rescues people. We see that from the very beginning when Adam and Eve are caught in sin. He's going to rescue them. When the children of Israel are in slavery, he's going to rescue them. He's going to deliver them. When you're going through what you're going through, God is going to rescue you. He is going to give you a way of escape. That's who our God is. That's one of the number one promises in his word and what he does. So he says, I will rescue you. Number two, I will protect you. I will protect you. And the, the, the reason I like this word, because the word protect in the Hebrew, it actually means to put something up high. And, and if you have little children, you, you know that sometimes if you have something that might break, you need to put it up high so they can't reach it. It's protected. You, you, you put it up high. And that's what God does with you is he, he puts you up high. He raises you up. And he makes you strong. And, and so again, he will protect you. He will set you on high. The third promise he gives us, he says, I will answer. I will answer. That when you pray to me, when you call on me, whatever is going on in your life, when you talk to me, I'm listening, and I will answer. And listen, not only will he answer, I believe God speaks to us. I believe God still speaks to us today, and so God wants to speak to your life. When you pray, he will answer. He will listen, and he will answer. Number four, he says, I will be with you in trouble. I will be with you in trouble. And I love that because God tells us in his word, when Jesus came, he was to be called Emmanuel. That Jesus was God with us, that he is with us in affliction, that we are not alone. That no matter what's going on in our life, that he is with us, he is by your side. You are never alone. The devil may try to convince you that you are all by yourself fighting this battle, but you are not. God is with you. The next one is, I will deliver. I will deliver. And again, that idea of delivering is to bring you to safety, that, that he's going to take care of you. And, and you could also put with that word, deliver the word honor, that God's going to honor you. It's not just that he's going to rescue you by the, the, the hair of your chinny-chin-chin, but he is actually going to honor you, that he's going to bless you, that he's going to deliver you, and he is going to make you strong. Which leads us to the next one. He says that with long life, I will satisfy the thing about God is that, that whatever he does in our life, he does in abundance. And we, we, we can't have a scarcity mentality with God, like, okay, God, just, just rescue me. But that God wants to bless you. That's why he talks about long life. That's why he talks about satisfying our desires or the desires of our heart, because he says, I want to be a God that shows you abundance in the journey of this life. That whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, that, that you are not alone and you're not just going to scrape by, but... I'm actually going to bless you abundantly through the journey. And that's a promise from God. And he says, I will show you my salvation. I will show you my salvation. He's going to let you see it. And the word salvation could also be translated or changed the word victory. That God's going to give you victory. That the, the outcome 
of your situation, of everything you're going through, of your life, of eternity, is victory. That that is a promise from God. And God is faithful to keep his promise. He is mighty to keep his promise. He will do it. He says he can do it, and he will do it. When a tornado swept through a small Oklahoma city, 24 people sought shelter in the Tinker Federal Credit Union's bank vault. When the storm finally stopped and the people emerged safely from their hiding place, they found that the vault was the only part of the 6,000-square-foot building left standing. Could you see that? You're at the bank. The tornado's coming. Everybody runs into the vault. You close the door. You lock it. You wait till the storm to pass. They open it up, and you come out, and you are in the only safe part of the town. That's what God means when he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your shelter. I'm going to be your secret hiding place. That when the winds and the storms and the tornadoes of this life come, you can come inside of me and I will take care of you. I will be your hiding place. I will be your rescue. I will be your safe place. Psalm 91 verse 4 says, His faithful promises are your armor and protection. I love that. That's our armor. That's our protection. Put this, this, put this psalm on if you need to. Just say, okay, God, these promises are true. This is my protection in this life. And we can rest safely knowing that he is our ultimate source, that he is our safety, that he is our shelter, that he is faithful because he's promised us. And when God promises us something, he's going to deliver on that. Why does God protect us? You say, why would God protect me? It, it, it says because he loves us and we love him. And that's in verse 14, Psalm 91, 14. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me and I will protect those who trust in my name. Why is God going to protect you? Because he loves you and we love him. That's why these promises are there for us, because he loves us and we love him. It's not a magic formula. It's a relationship. He loves us. And we love him, and so the promises are true. And it can be frightening when the storms of life come, and we can go through difficulties, but we can always count on that God is near, that God is listening, that God is faithful, that God is going to come through, that he will answer you. He has promised you protection. You are his beloved child. He will keep you safe. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. It's in his word. So please don't ever doubt it. Don't ever doubt it. Because the enemy is going to try to come and he's going to try to lie to you. He's going to try to, try to get you thinking, God, why, why are you doing this to me? Listen, God's not doing that to you. The enemy is out to destroy you. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. You want to know God's heart? Read Psalm 91. God says, this is a, who I am. I am mighty. I am strong. I am able. I am whatever you need. And I will do this and this and this and this and this. That's who God is. 
And that's why we believe the promises of his word. We put our heart into his word. We put our mind into his word. We believe his word because he is good to us. He is good to those who love him. We just read that verse. And I think that, that someday we'll, when we get to heaven, we'll see how much God was actually protecting us. How much he was watching out for us all the good things that he was doing for us that maybe we don't even see right now, but someday we'll see. Maybe not this side, but the next side, I promise you, you will see God's goodness. In the book of Jeremiah, from the passage that was read, it was the darkest days of the last remnant of Israel, Judah. Jeremiah had spent his entire life prophesying that Babylon was going to come and he was going to, they were going to take Israel into captivity, Judah into captivity, and that uh, because they did not repent, they did not follow the things of God, they had turned their backs on God, that they were going to be judged. And that was his whole life. That was his whole message. There was no getting out of it. He said, no, this will happen. And so Jeremiah believed the word of the Lord that, yes, destruction was coming to Jerusalem that Judah would be taken into captivity, that it was all over. He knew that. But he also knew Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, to give you a future. He, he knew that promise true, was true as well. And so in that odd story that Nick read for us earlier, he's in prison and he buys a field. He will never see that field because he's in prison and he will die. But he pays, and he doesn't pay the, the, the cheap rate because at that point, everybody knows Babylon's coming. They know it's all over. They, they're just trying to get rid of everything they can to get as much as they can for it. But he doesn't pay half price. He pays full price. He makes sure that every I is dotted, every T is crossed in that contract because he's like, that's going to be my field. He'll never see it. But he knows the plans of God are good and that they may be going into captivity, but there'll be a day that they come home. And when they come home, somebody will say, that's Jeremiah's field. That's Jeremiah. He knew we were coming back. He knew the goodness of God, the promises of God, that even if in the most difficult times that God's promises are still true, he knew that they would be rescued someday. And so they could say, that's Jeremiah's field. And we have to have that kind of hope. As Jeremiah was sitting in prison, never to see the light of day again, he bought a field. And we need to do the same. We need to say, whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm going through, God, I know your plans are good. I know that you say that you work everything together for good. God, I know you are mighty and able, and I know all these promises are not just for somebody back then, they're for me today. And so God, I'm going to buy my field. God, I'm going to believe your promises are true. I'm going to believe there's good days ahead. I believe, God, that you have good things planned for me and for my family and for our future. I'm going to believe those things. I'm going to stand on those things because it's in your word. And the people who get that are the ones that God loves, and they're the ones that love God right back. So how do you get these promises? How do you get this? So I'm going to give you three things before we go. They'll be on the screen. You can write them down. First of all, call on his name. Call on his name or call on his names. Obviously, we call on the name of Jesus for salvation, right? I and mean, there's no other name by which we're saved. But God in the psalm gave us four names. 
And you may need different names at different times. Sometimes you need a mighty God. Sometimes you need a creative God. Sometimes you need the great I am. It is whatever you need in that moment. And God says, call on my name. I will hear you. I will answer. I will deliver you. So we call on the name of God. Then we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. And first of all, we do that with Jesus, right? That's what it says in the book of Romans, that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus was raised from the dead. We will be saved. So we believe that. We confess that there's salvation in that. That begins the relationship with God. But we also believe in our heart and confess with our mouth things like Psalm 91. God, you are a mighty God. You are my mighty God. You are my creator God. You are my great I am. God, you promise you will deliver me and you will bless me and God, you will help me and you will heal me, hear me. And, and so we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart the truth of God's word because he loves us and we love him. And then finally, we abide in him. We abide in him. We just practice his presence wherever we go. It's great to come to church on a Saturday night and, and have worship like we had and we sit in the presence of the Lord and we pray and we hear God's word. It's like, Ooh, that feels good because it's God and it's his presence. And, but you got to do that all the time. We abide in, under the shadow of the Most High God. That We abide in his shelter. We get into that safe where he takes care of us. That no matter what happens this week with the, the tornadoes of life that swirl around, we're kept safe because we're hidden in Christ. We're in that secret place with him that we walk and abide in his presence. That's the heart of God for us tonight. That's who God is in this psalm, and that's who God is for you, the ones who love him. And I believe you love him tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me as we pray? I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask us to pray together. But God's word is true. He says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. And so I'm going to ask you tonight as we're praying, just, just believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins and that God, the Father, rose him from the dead, that, that he is alive and he gives us abundant life and new life and, and begin that relationship with Jesus tonight. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's master, that he's your savior that he's your friend. And for those of us that, that know him, we need to do the same. We need to confess with our mouth who our God is. We've got to stop making up things in our mind and say, God, why are you so mad at me? Why are you doing this and that and the other thing? No, the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. God revealed exactly who he is in Psalm 91. That he is great and that he is mighty. That there is no one above him. That he is able to keep all of his promises. That he is your great I am. And that he can create anything good in your life. And so we confess that. We believe that. We hold on to the promises of God. Lord, tonight we just do that right now. And we confess, Lord, that you are our God. Jesus, you are our Lord. That you are our Savior that you are Emmanuel, God with us, that we are not alone right now, that we're not fighting the battles of this week by ourselves, but we find ourselves in the secret place of the Most High, that we hide ourselves under your shadow, 
God, that we walk in your presence and know you. And God, as we do that, may we see your promises come about in our life. And may you bless us with that long life, with that satisfying life, with that abundant life. Lord, you promised it in the Old and in the New Testament, and you promised it right here tonight on this Saturday night. You promise good things to us. And so like Moses and like Jeremiah, we believe that our God is true to his word and that he loves us and we love him. And God, your promises are yes and amen to every single one of us. And may we meditate on that this week. May we live in your presence this week. God, may you do mighty things in our life this week as we remember you, as we confess your name, as we believe these promises are for us, as we abide in you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's good, good, good to open God's word together. And I just encourage you, um, some people I know uh, don't just open up Psalm 91 and read it, that they actually memorize it so that they have it inside of them. And uh, even memorizing the first few verses or the last few verses, they're, they're all so good. Just get that inside of you. Maybe open that up tomorrow morning and Monday morning and the next morning. Just open that up and allow God to speak to you through his word. A couple things uh, before we go uh, tonight. Um, we do have our welcome lunch tomorrow for anybody that's new to the church. If you started coming within the last year, we'd love to have you uh, come to the lunch. I know you're here on Saturday night, but you got to eat tomorrow, right? You got to have lunch tomorrow. So if you can, come on out tomorrow for lunch. Um, if not, if you can't come, I would love to meet you, love to connect with you. And so, um, and then see Pastor Joel. If you want to come to lunch, he will get you. Just wave, Pastor Joel. He'll get you. A ticket to a very good lunch. So that's uh, coming up. First Tuesday is Tuesday night. Haven't done one for a while. We took the summer off. We always do that. And then we didn't do September because Steve Sampson with, was with us actually the second Tuesday. So this is our first, first Tuesday of the fall. Um, what we do is we have worship and prayer times. Uh, the lights are down. Um, it's just kind of quiet. It's, it's like a church service, but it isn't because we just worship and there's not really a time limit on that. We just pray and wait on the Lord. It can be sometimes quiet, sometimes loud. We just pray and wait on the Lord. I give a, a short thought from God's word and um, we also just wait and see what the Lord is speaking to his people. So we wait for the word of the Lord as well. So um, it's just kind of a night with no limits. And so if you want that, if you need that, uh, we all need that. So come on out. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Um, also, the marriage seminar is coming up. Uh, would love for you, all married couples, sign up for that. There's cards in your bulletin on the table out there. You can sign up on, um, on the website for that. And then the kids' pantry. It's a big week, guys. So if you can volunteer anytime, like Stephanie said, or, or food or um, prayer, maybe it's just a prayer. God, would you be with them this week? Be with every... Every child, every uh, parent that walks through these doors, that they will get everything they need. Um, but pray for our teams that are doing that. We'd love for you to be a part of that team. And you can come any time this week. You say, I don't know, it's the middle of the day. Trust me, you can come in the middle of the day at work. You can come at night at work. You can come any time. There'll be somebody here working all week long. And we could use your help for the big um, giveaway. Uh, one more thing before we go. 
I talked a little bit about this last week. Um, you won't hear this from me anymore. I'll just tell you this week because uh, I know that not everybody can come every weekend, but I shared with uh, the congregation last week. I shared with you. If you were here, you remember. Um, I love what God's doing at our church. I just named all those great things that are happening. Amazing things are happening. Good things are happening. I am so grateful for all the people that God is sending our way and um, just the ministry that we're doing. We're doing amazing, amazing things for God, and we're grateful that he allows us to do that for him, that we're a part of his kingdom. Uh, but over uh, the last number of years, we've seen a lot of people leave the church. And when I say leave the church, immediately like, oh my goodness, people are leaving. It's not what you think. <laughs> Um, people are moving away. Um, people are going to take care of elderly parents. So they want to move closer to their kids or the a job moves them. And so we've had between 20 and 30 uh, families in our church leave. And um, again, um, no bad reasons. Talk to, I think I've talked to every single one of them at length and in some cases drove to visit where they're at and, and, and make sure they found a good church. And um, and yeah, bless them. They blessed us. I mean, they 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 all left um, on good terms. There was nothing nothing bad. But there's been a there's been an ache or a hole, a sadness because some of these people have been here ten, twenty, thirty years. Uh, they were my friend. They were my dad's friend. They're just friends of our church, pillars in our church in so many ways. And so, what has happened over the last number of years uh, with the exit? And again, we're glad that new people are coming. Good things are happening, but. Um, we, we lost, uh, and you could see every year the finances go down in our church. And we have cut and cut and cut. And you can look at um, the spreadsheets from every year. Uh, and I'm not just talking about coming down a little bit. They've come down a lot every year, a high percentage. And so we have cut and we've cut. We've cut expenses, um, salary. Everything's lower, much lower now than it was before. And we've cut and we've cut and we've cut. And there's nothing really left to cut. So we're at a very serious moment. We thought it would turn around because more people are coming. It hasn't, and so um, we're going to have to make some, some deep cuts now. And uh, we need to be strong. There are missionaries counting on us all around the world. Uh, there's things like the kids' pantry this week. Uh, we have to have a, a strong place for that to happen. Um, the college, the missions, a lot of things are counting on us, churches everywhere. And so, um, yeah, it's, it, there'll be some... Uh, deep, deep cuts that have to come. And uh, as the leader, um, we'll, my family, I talked to Leslie, will take the first big cut. So whatever that means, uh, we'll do. If I have to go get a job somewhere or something, we'll just do what we have to do. Uh, because being the pastor is the privilege of my life. And, and uh, if something needs to be done, we'll do it. We'll do whatever we have to do um, to make things happen here. Because God is doing good things. We are not a family, we're not a church that is sponsored by one family. Everybody gives, and because everybody gives, that's how we do it, and, and our future is really bright as a church. I want to tell you this, there will be no for sale sign outside of this place. We have too many important things going on. The kids' pantry this week alone fires me up like, hey, God, you're doing good things. You're going to do, you're going to do even bigger things, and so I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you pray with me that God provides for every single need we have as a church, I don't believe I'm called to go out and get a job. I believe I'm called to be here. And so um, I'm just going to ask you, if you are faithful and given, have been given a long time and sacrificially, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't stop. Keep going. If you don't give anything, it's time to start giving. 
Give to the Lord. Give to his work. Give to his kingdom here. It's good ground. I promise you that. And then um, also, um, if maybe you're behind in your giving, get caught up in your giving. Honor God with the first. Uh, that's what we do with God. We honor him with the tithe. The first thing that comes in, that's, we preached on money last week. I'm not going to preach on it again. Even though both New Testament passages are on money, I just felt Psalm 91 is where God wanted to go tonight, so we went in that direction. Um, and we did have a prophetic word while Steve Sampson was here. And I remember he was standing right here, he's preaching, and he just stopped. He said, look to me, he says, you don't have to worry about money. He had no idea. Like, we didn't talk about it. There was no way he knew it. And he said, you're not going to have to worry about money. And then he turned again and said, you're not going to have to worry about money. And so the Lord was obviously speaking that, and I believe God's going to take care of it as we give and as we're faithful to him. And so, um, yeah, okay, that's the last time I'm going to talk about it, all right? But thank you, thank you, thank you for your giving. And I didn't cry, so that's awesome. That's really good. Um, but, um, but yeah, thank you for your faithfulness. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord? And again, all the things we talked about, um, whether it be the marriage seminar, men's uh, seminar coming up, um, see Pastor Joel out there if you can come to lunch. Uh, I'd love to meet you. It's going to be uh, good things. A lot of good things are happening. Kids Pantry, you can talk to Stephanie. She will definitely give you something to do this week. If nothing else, we can all pray to our mighty God who takes care of us. And so, um, Leanne, lead us in the doxology.